Well, it's pretty obvious it's 2012. And 2011 has already passed quickly. It's hard to imagine all that's happened in, a ma- in, in just a matter of one year. So many things have, have passed by us. And that means 2012, that means a lot of new things, new ideas, new gadgets, new gizmos, new what's-its and who's-its. <laughs> but that means a lot of new things come onto our plate. And uh, how many of you this year got something for Christmas from Apple? Like an iPod, an iMac, an iPad? There's a few of you. Well, just we know this uh, just happened in 2011. We know that the co-founder, Steve Jobs, from Apple had passed away. I want to say, in my personal opinion, that this man is probably one of the greatest men as far as genius that had ever lived in our time for what he has done. He has really revolutionized our way or our manner of thinking when it comes to technology. For example, through him and through his co-partner, they uh, actually created a few things that we use on a regular basis, such as an iPad. We use iPhones. We use... uh, iPods and iMacs, all these different gadgets that we use on a regular basis. It's amazing what happens. One time we were here at the office and our internet went down and our computer system went down. And for a matter of hours, we all kind of looked at each other because we thought, what in the world can we do without this technology? It was almost as though our hands were tied. But in the midst of all of that, If you notice, there was a running theme, I, 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 iPad, iPhone, iPod, iMac, all these different I's. I think Apple's great because it applies to us. It's all about us. It's a product that's all about you and me, I, 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 I. But today I want to talk about something different that's about us. It's about I. There is a lifestyle that God calls us to that is more about us than anything else, and it's fasting. And I know that it's the new year, and we're going to talk about it, and Pastor Jason's going to give his yearly sermon on fasting, but in my own personal opinion, I think we need to hear it more than just once a year, because it's a lifestyle that God calls us to. That's why I entitled this message called I Fast, because as I've been preparing for not only this message, but preparing for this two-week fast that we're about to embark on as a congregation, I have been thinking about this whole process of fasting. And I come to realize, and some of you may disagree with me, but biblically, I will prove to you in the next few minutes that I am right. (laughs) Fasting is more about us than it is about God. Now, I know you don't, before you pick up your stones, let's just keep them down. When you think about it, when we say we are going to fast, it's about us and our hearts being tenderized. God doesn't need to fast. God does not call us to fast because he needs it. He calls us to fast because of us, because of what's going on inside of our hearts and what's going on inside in our minds and in our lives. Fasting is more about us than it is about him. See, we've grown accustomed over the years that when we talk about fasting, we, we equate fasting with, with breakthrough in our lives. 
that this one particular area of our lives has been needing breakthrough breakthrough forever. So the best thing to do is for us to fast until we get that breakthrough. And I agree that that's good. Or if we just need that one answer to that very, very important question that we have been asking and asking and asking for, and we haven't received one, that if we go into a fast, God will give us what we are desiring. But I'm learning through the years more and more and more that fasting is more about us internally than it is about getting an answer from God or getting a breakthrough that we so desire or want. It's about him tenderizing our hearts and making us available for what he wants to do in and through us. When we choose to fast, we choose to control our natural pleasures and our strengths so that we can receive from God on a larger clarity for numerous reasons. We fast so that we can clear away all those things that we depend on so much, from our physical strength to our intellectual strength. We clear away those things so that we can get a greater perception of what God is saying to us and have a greater clarity so we can hear and we can get rid of those things in our lives that we need to get rid of that Jesus speaks to us about so that our heart can be tenderized in a greater fashion. And so there are times in our lives where we personally choose to say, I will personally, even though no one else right now is doing it, I will personally choose to give up food. And I choose to give up my physical strength and my intellect as well so that I can depend more on Christ and allow him to do what he wants. And then there are times like what we're going to do tomorrow where we're going to start corporately as a congregation where we are all going to choose and hopefully you will participate and choose this to decide to fast from food for an extended period of time so that we can demonstrate to the Lord that we ourselves are willing to give up that which is important to us. We're willing to give up the I in our lives for a period of time. Fasting enables us to move in God's power and encounter his heart. It enables us to move in his power and encounter his heart. Years and years ago, when I first became a follower of Christ, I knew nothing about fasting. I didn't even know that it was uh, a God thing. And friends of mine said, hey, have you ever fasted before? And I'm like, well, no, what's that? I drive fast, I eat fast, I think fast, I talk fast, I have never fasted. And so they said, well, we're about to do a three-day fast. And I thought, well, how bad can this be? You know, (laughs) whoop-dee-doo. Two hours into it, I was already crying. (laughs) And I thought, how could this be of God? God does not want us to suffer, the word says. (laughs) But little by little, the more I began to embrace a lifestyle of fasting, I began to set aside periods of time in my life on a regular basis where instead of just waiting once a year, I would begin on a monthly basis where I began to sit aside two to three days out of a month where I would just look forward to fasting just to get on the same page that God was on. Now, it wasn't easy, but little bit over time, I began to notice some things that began to change in my life. I began to notice that the more I prayed and the more I fasted and the more I spent time with God, the more in love with Jesus I became. Because that was what was so critical and so important at the time. 
The more time that I spent with Jesus and the more time that I fell in love with him, the more I began to get a a better understanding of who he is and why he is for us and why he is not against us. The more I began to pray and the more I began to fast, I began to notice that when I would pray for other people, things would begin to change and happen. And it was totally a God-divine thing. I began to notice that when I would begin to pray and I would fast more and more and more, I would begin to see the miracles of God begin to happen more as a natural thing in my life than when I ever did before. I started to notice that when I would pray and fast, God would take his finger and put it on areas of my heart and say, hey, by the way, that area of your character does not line up with mine, so we're going to have to work on that. But in the midst of that fasting, I began to encounter the heart of God in deeper ways than I ever had before. And in the midst of that fasting, I encountered the power of God and I saw the power of God demonstrated far greater than what I have. Now, I want to encourage you. Sometimes God works in different ways that really we try to write about and we try to talk about and we try to create ideas on and and sell it to people and say that this really works when it, when it doesn't. But we have to understand that there are times in our lives where sometimes when we fast, God will speak to us while we're fasting. And I want to encourage you that there are times in your life that you will fast, where you will give up food for a long period of time, and you'll say, I've been listening to God this whole time, and I haven't heard him say a word. That's okay, because sometimes once you break that fast, God speaks to you. I know personally that's the way I work. I can fast and I will fast and I won't hear God during that whole time. I'll read the scriptures and some days I'm so frustrated. I shut my Bible and I say, well, I don't even know why I'm doing this because I'm not even hearing from God. But then as soon as I break that fast at the right time, it's like the floodgates. The gates are just lifted up and the flood of God just comes in and begins to speak to me. And for some of you, you're going to find out that as you fast during these next two weeks, Starting tomorrow on day one, halfway through the day, you're going to start hearing God speak to you and he's going to start dealing with areas of your heart and your mind. And when you open up the word of God, it's going to be refreshing in so many new ways than what you have ever seen it before. And he's going to speak to you. But one thing I want to encourage us to do is don't go back to the normal way of thinking of this, of saying, okay, I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up food and I'm just going to sit and wait on Jesus. And I know he'll say something. No, we have to work with him. We have to work with him. We have to open up the word of God and we have to begin to dig. We have to set aside times during those days where we would normally have a meal. We supplement it with prayer. And we say, no, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with God this time. And instead of me just sitting here waiting and, and, and waiting for my, my pen to actually write for me or, or God to hear his massive audible voice to me, I am going to actually pursue him instead of waiting him to pursue me. In the next few minutes, we're going to go ahead and we're going to digest the word of God. And hopefully that our hearts will be enlarged by truth as we go into this. But I want to first challenge you with this, is that if we want to move in God's power and encounter his heart, we have to mourn for his presence. 
a lot of times we don't really associate that word mourning with the presence of God. But I want to encourage you that this is all part of that fasting process. When we mourn, we express a sorrow or a grief for a particular loss. How many of you ever lost a loved one in your life? Many of us have. A lot of times when we experience a loss of a loved one in our lives, someone who is close to us, someone that we have held dear to us, we go through a process generally, and what that is called is mourning, where we begin to have a sense of not only physical loss, but emotional loss. We begin to think and we begin to process of that one that we lost in our lives. And sometimes that period of mourning brings us to a place of crying and a place of tears. Our emotions just being expressed physically. But I want us to take a moment in these next couple, couple minutes and I want us to begin to think about mourning for the presence of God. Rhetorically, in your mind, I want you to think about and answer this question. When was the last time I really mourned for the presence of Christ? When was the last time that I felt I have lost touch with his presence? So much that my, my inner man was grieved just to be near him because I haven't felt him. I haven't heard his voice. When was the last time I felt that the presence of God was, was that loss that I've been experiencing, that I've just willingly laid aside everything in my life from technology to food and put my play, myself back at his feet and began to cry and weep and mourn. Now, I'm not saying where you work yourself up into a frenzy and, and, and cry and, and make yourself you know, well up with tears. Let Jesus do that when he works on your heart. But what I'm saying is, is when, when, have you, when has your heart been pulled the last time where you said, I just, I, just, I just need to fast just to get more of the presence of God? Instead of fasting to say, I need this or I need that or I, I, I. We need to return to that place of mourning. We need to return to that place of longing for the presence of God. Jesus touches on that in Matthew 9. I'm going to ask you to join with me. And look at Matthew chapter 9. If you choose to read in, out of your Bibles, that's great. I'm using the NIV version. Uh, we have it on the screen as well. This is what it says. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Now, obviously, the disciples at that time had something that we currently don't. That is the physical presence of Jesus Christ. Has anyone seen him lately? There shouldn't be a raised hand anywhere in here because the actual physical presence of Christ has not been with us, but his presence, his spirit has been in us. Hence, that's where we get salvation. When we confess with our mouths that we are dependent on him, that we have missed the mark, we have sinned, and we confess and we ask for forgiveness and we repent, meaning the way that we were once going, we now turn and go the opposite way from that which we followed. And we say, we're going to follow Christ now. And so we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart and we choose to make him Lord of our lives. That's salvation. 
And so if you are a Christ follower, you know that the presence of God resides in your heart. But the actual physical presence that the disciples had, the ability to touch the cloak of his garment, the the ability to watch him spit on the ground as they are, Jesus doesn't spit. But the ability to watch him spit on the ground while they're walking on the dirt road, to watch him wipe the sweat away from his forehead as he would work with them. We don't have that. And so these disciples of John, they come to to these disciples and then they come to Jesus and they say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something isn't right here because we fast like John does and and like the Pharisees do, but, but these are your followers and they're not even fasting. And Jesus says, well, no, guys, hold up a minute. Why do they need to fast and mourn my presence when I'm right here with them? But I tell you, there will come a day. My presence, my physical presence will no longer be with them. And then they will be motivated to fast and mourn for the return of my presence. Once his physical presence was taken from them, their heart was struck with love for more of Jesus. Therefore, they were motivated to fast because they were mourning for that loss. (laughs) I'm bold enough to say, and I include myself in this, that the body of Christ has become spiritually lazy and we have lost our ability to mourn for the presence of God. I realized several months ago, I've been going through uh, physical changes in my body and and different things like that and and then with different other things of uh, mental stress or whatever it may be. In the midst of all of that, I came to this conclusion and I realized that I had lost my desire to mourn for the presence of Jesus. See, in the body of Christ, it becomes so easy for us to log on to our version in our Bible app on on our phones. And we just do our daily reading. It's so easy for us to, to, to read through the Bible in a year and we just, you know, hit our little check mark. Oh, I'm done for the day, did my reading. It's, it's so easy for us to open up the word of God and, and say, well, I need to read the Bible today because that's what Christ followers do. We read the Bible, so I just need to read a chapter a day. And we breeze through it. It's easy for us to go to the Lord and worship takes a long time. You know, I mean, to sing to him through, worship him through singing. And the Bible says we got to praise him, so... I got to think of what can I praise him for? And the Bible tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving. So now I got to, oh, okay, what do I got to think about thanking him for? What did he give me last? Oh my gosh, this is tiring. I need to get on to the, the important stuff. So God, this is what I need. And it's so easy for us to do that because we are a fast food generation. Think about it. If we want it now, we get it. If we want to pay for it now, we don't want to earn our money. We don't want to save, so we use a credit card. If we are hungry and we want to eat now, we just go through the drive-through. The problem with that is, is in the body of Christ, and myself included in this, we have somehow dummied down God's presence, and we feel that we can put him in the drive-through, or we can put him on plastic, and we have this mentality that if he doesn't answer me right now, I am going to stop what I'm doing because it's not worth it. We need to return to mourning the presence of Christ. 
We need to escape from this fast food mentality that if God doesn't give me the answer right now, instead of waiting and mourning and listening for him, we need to stop that, that we're just going to quit. That's why I'm encouraging you for the next two weeks to join with us in this corporate fast. Set aside that quality time to open up the word and wait on God And when you begin to read the word, don't skim it to say that you read your chapter for the day or you did your Bible reading plan for the day. Read through it to encounter the heart of Christ. A few months ago, the Lord had spoken to me, and I I preached a little bit about this. The Lord had spoken to me and said, for one month, I don't want you to pray to me. I only want you to praise me and then watch how I take care of you. That was the hardest thing I had ever done. Spending one month where instead of requesting of God, all I did was praise him and thank him for what he was doing. And I saw some amazing things that God did. Here's my challenge to you. Instead of returning to our normal lifestyle of prayer and petition before the Lord, shake it up a little in your spiritual life and go before the Lord and say, God, for the next two weeks, all I'm going to do is thank you. And all I'm going to do is praise you. And when something happens in my life that is a circumstance that is far above me and my own strength and my own intellect, I will choose to worship you through the circumstance and I will choose to praise you through the circumstance. And I guarantee you, things are going to happen in your life that you will remember forever. And I'm talking about the hand of God moving. Fasting isn't about motivating God to hear us. But it's to receive his affection for us. It's not about moving God's heart, but our hearts. We all have our own concepts of fasting, our own ideas. Over the years, we have, it's kind of like a big melting pot. We take a little bit of this, and we throw it in there, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, and what we heard this speaker say, or what this televangelist said, or what this was written in this book. And, and we throw it in there, and we all get our own ideas of God. And somehow, when we stir it all up, and we pour it out, and when we go to digest it, somehow it has gotten away from the Word of God. And somewhere in there, we get this idea that the key for God to move on our behalf is just if we fast. But what if we return to that place where we just say, I'm going to accept this call to intimacy with the rest of the body of Christ, and I'm going to fast for the presence of Jesus. Just the presence of Jesus. I want you to watch this video about our own concepts of fasting. I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, it gets bound wrap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to, and I done but had to drop about 85 pounds. So thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into him. Yeah. You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. What? That's that's not a sacrifice. That's that's not even biblical. I mean, that that's crazy talk, you know? I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into him, maximize our lives. It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet. Are you even a Christian? I dare you to fast from your phone for one minute. <laughs> you know, fine. Minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, he who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? Hello! I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, Did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. (laughs) Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday. This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. (laughs) So by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days. If I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule. And if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water. And if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my coworkers. I am persecuted within my fast. And if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight straight to my prayer closet. I do not talk to my wife. I do not play with the kids. I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what? I'm going to ask nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. I need the phone. I, I need to call. Um, <laughs> I figured we need a little lightning at that point, but <clears throat> see, we all have our own our own ideas of what fasting entails, and we just slowly tack on our social gospel, uh, to what we think should be added to the gospel. But that's not the intention of God. The intention is, is when we fast, is to simply humble ourselves. And that's sometimes not simple. But to humble ourselves by giving up that which we depend on, our physical strength and our mental strength, to depend on God's strength and God's wisdom 
And all he asks for is a simple heart that is willing. He doesn't have a checklist like all that we just saw a few moments ago. But here's what will happen when we fast. Fasting pulls away the lovers of our soul that contend with Jesus. That's what fasting's about. See, we all have lovers in our hearts that contend with Christ and his presence. For some of us, it's our schedules. For others, it may be our phones or our computers or our day planners, whatever it may be. For some of us, it's our personal habits. But we all have those lovers that contend with Christ. And when we choose to fast, Jesus gets a hold of each one of those lovers and he says to them, or to us, and he says, listen, you can't love me and love them at the same time. There's only room for one of us in your heart, and I'm not about to go. (laughs) So get them out of here. But fasting deepens our affection for Jesus, and it's a catalyst for mourning. I love what Bob Sorge tweeted on Twitter a few days ago. He says this, in fasting, we express our hunger for God. Our heart and very flesh cry out for the living God. The only reason you stay on a fast is because your hunger for God is greater than your hunger for food. What is your stronger appetite? Some good words. So we must not only return to the morning of the presence of God, but live out his power. Live out his power. And Jesus called us to fast because he knew that the prize, the end result of this lifestyle is far greater than the difficulties that we face. The, the, the prize at the end, the, uh, what we receive when we fast, this presence of God and the power of God that we are given as a blessing when we fast is far greater than the stomach rumbles that we experience, far greater than the indigestion that we deal with or the headaches or the insomnia issues when we, when we choose to fast or the fact that Uh, We have to drink a lot of water instead of having the coffee that we normally have or whatever it may be. But Jesus was saying, it's, it's more than just those things because those things are little. But think about when you're persecuted for my name, there are greater rewards that you will have far greater when you do this than if you don't. As we fast, our external circumstances are touched by the Lord's power. Look at verse 16 through 17 with me. It says, besides, who would, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, but the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. And new wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. So I had this revelation or this illumination personally. And some of you are probably going to say, well, duh, I've known that this whole time. Well, that's good for you. So anyway, just humble yourself a minute and listen to what I have to say. Um, So I was reading this scripture and a lot of times in the body of Christ, we take that portion of what I just said about the whole wineskin and everything. And we always separate that from when Jesus talks about fasting. We separate it and we say, well, that means, that means the five-fold ministry of God and the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the evangelists and the teachers. And some will say, oh, but that means, that means the power and the presence of Jesus. Revival, brother, is on the way. That's what it means. And all those are really good. But when I started to read this, I realized that 
Jesus said this in the same breath. It wasn't like Jesus taught that and then a couple minutes later he comes back. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, guys, I forgot about this. This goes hand in hand. So I began to study how a wineskin is made and I'm not actually going to go into detail because it's absolutely disgusting. But basically, in a nutshell, an animal has to be sacrificed in order to make a wineskin. And what happens is, is that skin has to be dried out over a period of time, but it still has, it can't be completely dried out because it has to have some room to give and to be molded. And so when you're making a wineskin of that time, what you had to do was take oil and you had to actually rub oil into that wineskin to help stretch it and to lubricate it so it could be movable instead of stiff and firm so you couldn't, or brittle so it wouldn't break. And once you got into the proper shape that you needed it to be in, you would begin to sew that wineskin together. And you would continue to apply oil to keep that skin of that wineskin loosened up so that it could receive that new wine that was going in. Now, that wasn't the only problem, because now you're dealing with science and chemicals. At that point in time, when you make wine, there is a fermentation process that takes place. So you never thought you'd learn how to make wine in church, did you? But, but listen, uh, you, there would be a fermenting that would take place, and that fermentation process creates gases, gases that need room to expand. And so what would happen is, is when you would take that new wine that was being made in that fermenting process and you put it into that new wineskin, that new wineskin was designed so it could expand as that gas of, that was fermenting would expand as well. And Jesus tells us, and he says, well, what person would take that new wine and put it into one of those old brittle wineskins? Because we all know that when that new wine hits that old wineskin, and when it begins to expand the way it needs to, we know that it'll break open that old wineskin. And then we're left with two problems. First of all, we have a broken container. And second of all, all of our new wine has been lost. In the same manner we have to understand that in order for us to live out the power of God, our character must be stretched and processed to hold the power of the Holy Spirit. Fasting is a tool that Jesus will use to solidify our character, to expand it to where it needs to be. In the same manner, our character is like this wineskin that Jesus is talking about. When we make ourselves available to fast and mourn for the presence of Christ, he begins to work on our character. He has to take that old, brittle wineskin that we're so used to, and he has to begin to work on it and create something new in us. Because when those things begin to happen, a move of God begins to happen. And we have to be prepared to receive the move of God. If our character is not in place properly, if our character is brittle and unmoldable, when God pours out his spirit, our character will be broken and we will not be able to handle or steward that which God has given to us. But if God takes 
and molds our character into that fresh way that he wants to through fasting. Our character, our character will be ready to receive that power and that anointing of God. And when it begins to expand, our character will be able to expand with it. And we will not break under the pressure of the glory of God. Years ago, I learned this in prophetic ministry that you can cry out for the prophetic and hearing the voice of God all you want to. But if your character is not ready, is not built properly, when God allows his anointing and his power to come upon your character, it will crush the foundation. See, we cry out and we hunger for power, but in a fast way. In the body of Christ, we chase after man instead of chasing after God. We chase the revivals. We chase the CDs or the DVDs. We chase the conferences. All those things are good in their proper place and time. But we need to really return to the foundations of what God has called us to, to chase after him. If you want to move in the power of God, I am telling you right now, you can sit in your pew all day and you can wait for the power of God to hit you. And you want to be used with God and you want to work with God and you want to be moved in the power of God and him used through you, then you need to do something. We need to change our character and be willing to pay the cost, pay the price, go the distance to receive that which he has intended for us. I think of Isaiah the prophet. It says that a seraphim came down and touched his mouth with a coal from the altar of God. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. But there had to be something about this guy's life that God was willing to do this. If you look at all of the men and women of the Bible that God used, there was a character change somewhere in their lives so they could handle what he wanted to pour out on them. The scriptures tell us that when we're faithful with a little, we'll be entrusted with a lot. But if we're not willing to work in the little, why is he going to pour out a lot for us? So tomorrow on January 9th, we're going to begin our seasonal corporate fast as a church body. And for the next two weeks, we're going to choose to set aside specific meals and times to pray and really seek the heart of God. For those of you who have never fasted before, I want to encourage you to take it slow and to take it easy. If you want more information about our corporate fast, you can actually go to our website at eriefirst.org fasting. And there's a whole area dedicated to fasting on there with scriptures and different ways about how you can approach your fast. But if you've never done this before, I encourage you, take it slow and go easy. Maybe start out with just some fruits and vegetables and work your way into a complete fast, maybe for a day or two days or whatever. But what is important is the heart of the matter. And for those of you who are seasoned in fasting, I, I, I challenge you to rise to the call. I challenge you to rise to the call. If you are seasoned in fasting, rise to the call 
and make this a fast that is corporate. And let us seek after the intimacy of God. Let us return to the morning of his presence. Let us return to the morning of his presence and allow him to work in the areas of our lives so that we can be used by God when he pours out his power. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to close right now, and I'm just going to ask that no one leaves or anything. I'm only going to pray a quick prayer, and that's it. Just to respect the moment. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm just going to pray for your fast. I don't need to know what you're doing, but I'm going to pray for your fast, that God will speak to you during this time of your fast, that he will give you the perseverance that is needed and the patience and also the joy, the joy that he wants you to experience in this fast. And I pray that you will encounter the ability and the desire to mourn once again for his presence. And I'm also going to pray that your character will be expanded so that when the power of God comes on you, you will not be crushed but you will be able to move in the power of God in ways that you have never done before. You can choose to take a posture of receiving by putting your hands out in front of you if you so choose. If not, that's no problem. But Father God, in Jesus' name right now, Lord, I pray that as we start this fast, God, I pray that our hearts will be humble before you. I pray, Father, that we will return to that place of desired intimacy with you. Lord, I pray that we would get out of our minds all the wrong motives of intentionally looking to lose weight during this fast. Or Father, thinking of how many days can we go without eating and and how we can spiritually rack that up in our minds. I pray that you just begin to take away all those lies and all those motives in the name of Jesus and let this just be a pure fast for our congregation. God, I pray that in the midst of this fast, there will be a returning to mourning for your presence. Father, I pray that there will be an innocence and a purity about our congregation by the time we are done with this fast. I pray, Lord, for our character, that we will willingly allow you to mold our character and shape our character, God, so that we can be infused with your power and used of you in this city in greater capacities. Father, I pray for your perseverance to rest upon us for these next two weeks. I pray, Father God, for faith to increase, to trust to be increased within us between you and us, Lord, in our relationship with you. Father, I pray for the joy, the joy that you desire for us to experience in this fast, God, will bubble up and overflow at the surface of all of this. And Father, I pray that you will speak to us and remind us, God, that you have given us the grace to fast. You have given us the grace, Father, to go through this. Lord, tenderize our hearts and attune our hearts and our minds and our ears to your very words and our eyes to your word. And Father, during this time when we choose to give up meals, may we find those, God, who are in need that don't have meals and share them with them and serve those who are in need. Jesus, we love you so much and we thank you and we're excited to embark on this together and what you're going to do. And we are really excited, God, for the testimonies that we will hear of this. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.